Teachers are natural innovators, entertainers, and problem solvers. They dream of growing old into the profession, teaching their kids' kids. But sometimes, career goals shift or change, and that makes opportunities outside of the classroom seem intangible. Questioning, who am I if I'm not a teacher? I'm your host, Alexandra Simon. And I'm your co-host, Jody Scissors. This is The Great Teacher Resignation. Today, we are joined by Pearl Uberu. Pearl is a former high school math teacher turned data scientist with skills in project and program management, data migration, data governance, data analytics, and storytelling. She is the founder of System Tutoring Agency and is passionate about all things STEM and all things education. Welcome to the show today, Pearl. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Pearl, Allie and I have been waiting weeks to interview you. We've been counting down the days because we've been really intrigued by your bio and we thank you for reaching out and wanting to tell your story because I think a lot of teachers will really connect with your journey. And even if it's not the same path, perhaps it will inspire them to find their own way. So thanks. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I'm excited. We really want to hear your story, especially because you said that you are passionate about storytelling. So Can you tell us what led you out of the math classroom and into your new field? I actually never wanted to be a teacher. When I was in college, I was pursuing med school. Thought it was an amazing opportunity. Did all the MCATs, all the math sciences, was ready to go. And then I was like, you know what? Let me try something else. (laughs) So that something else ended up being teaching. And I kind of went that direction because I was tutoring at the time and I felt like I was doing such a great job. Parents were complimenting me and they were like, are you sure you don't want to be a teacher? And I was like, oh Lord, no, you know, but I ended up going that direction just because I felt like, I felt like I could do it. And I I was passionate about teaching. I just didn't know if I, if I would be successful as a teacher, but I thought, let me just try it. I ended up doing a really great job teaching. I had a great experience, but I just felt like the education system in general just was not what I expected. I found it very flawed. I found it very, very difficult to navigate being a teacher. And so I wanted to still be a teacher. I remember one day I just sat at my desk and I was like, okay, let me Google. So I went on Google and I literally typed in, what do you do when you love to teach, but you don't want to be a teacher? And all that kept popping up was architecture. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to build homes. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> like, I don't know about that. That's totally different. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, ah, that doesn't sound fun or appealing for me. And so I kind of just gave up on it or whatever. And then I just went home that day and just continued kind of looking a little bit. Not really, because it just kept giving me stuff that just was not fun. I'm like, teaching is where it's at with all these options, you know? So Eventually, um, after doing more research, I actually ended up finding the world of science, data analytics, and just data. And so that's kind of how I transitioned. I wouldn't say I was necessarily unhappy. I was just looking for something more, something that just made sense. And I felt like teaching sometimes didn't. And again, it wasn't the classroom. It wasn't the students. I love my students. They're so funny and great. It was just, yeah, the public school system, very flawed. What's one of the flaws that really sticks with you today? I did not like the treatment of our minority students. And when I say minority, I'm going to be particular, our Black students. 
it was just unfair. They were dealt with harsher. The discipline was harsher. The support was just not there. The resources and the the opportunity was not always there for them. And I definitely noticed that inequity very quickly within just teaching. But then I also started noticing it like as a teacher, you know, like being a Black woman or being a Black man, whatever, whoever you are, it's like you're not supposed to be there, especially if you're teaching upper level courses like P, honors, math, English. It's like you really are put at a certain standard that makes you feel like you're inferior or you're you're like never going to measure up to whoever is around you that's white. And so it was very tricky navigating that as well. And just unfair. I would say just the unfairness would be the main flaw that I noticed. And it, I always thought it was maybe because of the low income schools or the Title I schools. But then I also was at schools that were very, you know, well endowed. They had the resources, they had the PTO and the, and the money coming in, but it was still the same thing. So it wasn't about the economics and the resources. It was just unethical when it came to like socioeconomic backgrounds and stuff like that. Yeah, I think that's one of the major gaps that still remains in school systems are the academic achievement gaps is largely due to inequities. Yeah. And that is so valid that you bring that up because, you know, I'm in Houston, that's where I taught and it's a melting pot, super diverse, lots of different individuals from different backgrounds. And, you know, obviously there's different pockets of the city where you're going to have, you know, predominantly white schools or or districts. And then you're going to have the ones that are you know, predominantly black or majority black. And for me, <laughs> I taught at both of those kind of schools and still recognize that that treatment. So I feel like it definitely needs an overhaul as far as what <laughs> I felt like I was an ant in the grand scheme of things. And I feel like I couldn't really do a lot and really make the impact that I so desired. And I think that's also part of the reason why I decided to, you know, call it quits and head out of teaching. You're such a great example of what you can do with a solid education. You can go into one field, you can transition into another. And it sounds like from what we've read about you in your LinkedIn profile and your bio, that you're really passionate about affecting change, maybe in a different space. So I'm wondering, can you tell us a little bit about what your life looks like now as a data scientist and maybe dive into the system tutoring agency? A big thing, like I said, when I did my Googles is that I still wanted to work with math and I still wanted to teach, but I didn't necessarily want to be a teacher in a teaching environment uh, with like several students. So system actually was generated before I even became a data scientist. It was something that I kind of did on my own, just running up and down the city after work. And then when I kind of stopped teaching and I was in that transition period, I was like, tutoring is fun. And I wonder who else wants to make this impact. Um, And so I kind of put some feelers out to see, you know, are you interested in teaching math or science or whatever? And people would actually respond. They'd be like, oh, yeah, I definitely want to teach. And I'm like, well, I mean, I'm trying to get into tech. So maybe I should add on coding. Like maybe there are kids that want to learn how to code. That's kind of how system started in particular. So it was kind of a weird period for me transitioning into tech while also transitioning into like entrepreneurship. Wouldn't recommend. Um, but I ended up honestly in the right space. I I feel like doing this whole process, especially on my own, I didn't really have a mentor. There was no such thing as TGTR podcast. So thank you, y'all. But 
I did everything on my own. And so I try to utilize everything that I've learned to help others. So teachers reach out to me all the time, like, hey, how did you do this? How did you do that? And I'm like, are you ready? <laughs> like, are you ready? I know you want to do it, but like, let me give you the, the basics that you need. First, you really need the mindset. But then on top of that, in the same breath, on the other side with my tutoring company, I also try to teach not only my tutors, but my students that at any time in your life, you can make a change. Uh, whether that's starting to get better grades, or maybe you now want to actually go to college, or maybe you actually want to enter the workforce. And I don't think there's ever a bad decision as long as you have the right mindset and the right intention. Well, it's it's really interesting hearing how you got that motivation. You knew that being in the classroom wasn't where you wanted to be long-term, and you decided to make a change. And change is scary. And it sounds like you didn't really know who to, to lean on or like where to go. Did you have some type of a support system during that transition or was it just, was it just you? Were you just, you were your biggest cheerleader? Yep. I tried really hard to find people that were in my position at the time. And I feel like if I made my transition like today or in the past year, or so I feel like there would be a lot of people that would be able to be like, Hey, this is how you do it. Because I feel like a lot of teachers are making this transition um, as of late because of COVID and other things, just things that were actually a big deal prior to COVID are now like emphasized. They're on a bigger scale. So I I definitely understand it. But when I was making that transition, it was pre-pandemic and it was rather tricky. A lot of companies in general at the time too, they were like, oh, that's cool. You were a teacher, but no, you know, but now it's like, oh, you were a teacher? Come on, let's let's figure some things out. We we can get you on board. You have the skills, you have the basic skills, um, and the rest we can figure out. But that just wasn't the case for me. So I definitely had to be my own personal cheerleader. And honestly, let me not lie, I did have a support system and it was YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> ah, see, you're a self-starter though. You know how to find the answers. And I think that that's a really good mindset to have is that when you don't know something, you can start the journey on your own. But our view of what you can do and be in the world is limited usually by what your family members do and your teachers. Because those are are the most immediate people that you see and you learn from. And so you making that transition is not just great for you, but you're modeling for your former students that you can make career transition. You can be a self-starter and find your own way. You can be an entrepreneur, even though it's hard, and you can be a data scientist. And so you representing that field, I think is really great and good for you for finding the way. What was the process to make that change? Like, how did you learn to be a data scientist? Where do you go to do that? So one thing I want to start with is that there is a very interesting trend that I've been noticing even when I started my transition. There are three major data-related roles um, in tech, and there can be variations of it, of course, but the main ones are data analyst, data engineer, and data scientist. And what I had found was, based on my own research, they are very different roles, very different. But I found that some companies would have job postings and they would tell you they want a data analyst as the title, but the role was definitely more so data engineering related. And it was very common, you know, and even till today, I still see it, which shows that a lot of people in general don't understand data first. 
A lot of them don't. But second, they don't really understand the necessary role or titles that correlate to what they actually need within a company. And so I want to caveat this. Data analyst is somebody that might have some background in statistics. I mean, you don't have a statistics expert, but you're familiar with using Excel. You're good with maybe data visualizations and dashboarding and running reports. Great. A data analyst is not less than a data scientist. They're not less than a data engineer, but some people might say that it's wrong. They are very relevant and they are just as powerful. A data scientist is going to have more uh, statistics-based background, very strong in statistics. They may not be super strong visualizations and reporting and analytics, but they're really great with predictive analytics So they're always looking towards the future. They're looking for like AI, I think AI, machine learning, things of that nature. A data scientist would be very skilled at that. A lot of their work is very research-based, like, hmm, I wonder if this will happen versus a data analyst is more so of this has happened kind of like in the past and how we can draw reports from there. Data engineer is someone that actually builds these kind of pipelines to get data in for data analysts to use, for really anyone that's going to be working with this data. A data engineer kind of creates that, you know, construction um, and requires a lot of knowledge of just like data warehousing, data management, data governance. They all have to know that kind of stuff. So those are the kind of key differentiators between the three. Sorry, mind with your question. They've figured out which one of the three they want to be. They've done their research. They're sure they're going to do it. How do they pursue it? First and foremost, a big thing is not even skill. I would say mindset. You want to be teachable and you want to be able to learn because if you have a mindset of, oh, I'm just going to enter tech because I want to make more money or I want to enter tech because I want to be happier. Like, look, I'm going to tell you right now, and I tell you all this all the time, entering into a new role because of more money and you don't really have the mindset, like a new mindset in the role, you will feel the exact same as how you felt in your other role. You'll just be making more money, you know? And people enter tech with that mentality. And so they're still upset. They're like, oh, I don't like this. Oh, why did I do this? But at least I'm making more money. And I'm like, okay, great. But like, let's be intentional here and let's figure out why are we actually doing this? Are you trying to make a difference? Are you trying to maybe help your family? Are you trying to, you know, whatever that it is, figure out your why. And from there, start building up your mentality to, grow and learn and know that it's not going to be easy. But when it comes to actual skill, if you want to be a data scientist, you need to have a statistics background. So you need to know about, you know, population testing, hypothesis testing, your typical foundational statistics. And I'm not talking about, I pull out one M&M out of (laughs) this many M&M, like that's super, super basic. And I think that's important to know, but you definitely want to understand hypothesis testing. You want to understand AV testing. You want to know the different distributions, parameters, and all the things that correlate to just introductory statistics. From there, once you have a good feel of that, you definitely need to learn a coding language. There are quite a few people, you know, say that you should learn, and that's kind of the tricky part because there's many programming languages. But the main one I think that you could start with is Python. Python is heavily used in machine learning and people like it because there's two reasons. People that actually learn Python like it because it's easier to understand. 
And then on top of that, companies in turn like people that know Python because it's a hot skill. Not a lot of people have it, you know? So if you have it, it's like, oh, they know Python. Like, let's bring them on. So that's what I would recommend. And then from there, I would just familiarize yourself with what the other roles do. So in the beginning, I brought up data analysts and data engineer. You need to know how those individuals play a role within your role. You're not just on your own doing whatever you want. I mean, you might be, but you know, a data analyst might seek your advice. How would you kind of work with them? Or a data engineer might also seek your advice. How do you work with them? So those would be my top three starters. I think it is really important that you're like, it's not just about the money. Like we know that teachers don't make a lot of money, but you do want to go into something if it needs to be lucrative, if, if you're really at a point where you need to make more money, great. Have that be a part of your search process. But that cannot be the only thing because you won't make it. You know, you'll do the same thing again. You'll probably transition out of whatever you're going into. So I thought that was really great advice. And then understanding those different roles and how they all work together, like that is something that I really think teachers can do well because we're used to working with other people. And we're used to learning roles, responsibilities, who's in charge of what, like we can stay in our lane. We can also help people if they need help. So it sounds like you really found a field that works well for you. And I'm glad you shared about learning a coding language. What type of a resource would you use if you wanted to learn a coding language? I don't even know. Where would you tell someone to go to learn that? There's so many these days, like... Every time I'm seeing something pop up on LinkedIn, I actually started with a book. That's where I started. I don't think you should because that's just going to give you the general overview. They'll give you some code, but you'll be like, this is even me. So I would say Solo Learn. That was one of the first apps that I ever downloaded. It was free at the time. It is now no longer free. I'm so sorry. Only some things are free on the, on the app. But Solo Learn is literally an app that you can just pull out from on your phone and literally start learning how to code. You'll learn a little bit of something, then they'll ask you a few questions to see if you mastered it. If you did, you move on. If you don't know, I think on the free version, you're kind of stuck. But if you pay for it, they'll give you the answer. So that's kind of how it works. But that's where I would start, just to learn on the go. But if you are looking for something more structured, there's so many items on YouTube. There's Coursera, there's Udacity, there's Udemy, there's like edX there's just so much out there i think that you should definitely go through and vet those because you know some courses are better than others there's a bunch of ratings and reviews but if you're looking for some things just straight off the bat free youtube is a great place there's another website called free coding i think it's free coding classes or courses.org or something like that that's a great website as well so those are a few of my recommendations Awesome. Thank you so much. I know our listeners who are interested in data science will definitely be looking at those resources. We'll also add them to our show notes so they'll be easy for you to find. And I know that I've had friends that are math teachers that they maybe they've been math teachers for 10 years or longer, but they're ready to do something new. And I really think this is a great field for former math educators to go into. And honestly, really other educators can go into it too, but I did want to highlight that having a math background can be super beneficial. So we're really grateful for your time today, Pearl, for joining us on the show and for sharing all of your pearls of wisdom with us. And I did want our listeners to know that if you want to connect with Pearl, you can find her on Instagram and Twitter at 
Pearl, the CEO. And you can also find her on LinkedIn as Pearl Uberu. And that's spelled U-B-A-R-U. Thank you so much. If you liked The Great Teacher Resignation, give us a five-star rating and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. Today's episode was written and recorded by me, Alexandra Simon, and my co-host, Jody Scissors. Executive produced by Teacher Brain. Produced and edited by Emily Porter. Original music, Emoji by Tubebacker. Special thanks to our sponsor, Paper Planes Ed.